0: Da, 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 da! You sound insane. Did you realize that? Oh, yeah. yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's Showtime.
1: What's up, man, fam? It's Brian here. This is a little bit of a, a different episode for you. So if you're if you're a fan of Kent or Richard or not a fan of of me, uh, this this may not be the episode for you. But if if you're of the two percent that's uh that's really big into my dulcet tones uh then then this one's gonna be this might be your favorite so i'm i'm excited i am the third string host as everybody knows uh when kent's here he he's the host and if Kent's not here, Richard always hosts. Neither one of them are with us tonight, so I'm I'm filling in, and uh, I'm probably pretty terrible at it. So I'll just put that out up front. Uh, that's that's what they teach you in like speech class, right? Is to just to lower the expectations from the get go. So that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. So I'm here, and I, I'm joined by, by uh, my friend Ariel Rada of uh, of Geek One Hundred One Podcast. How you doing, Ariel?
2: What's up, guys? Glad to be here on uh, Mad
1: About Movies, part of the ManFam. Fam yeah this is like the i don't know was this third fourth time you've been on a full episode with us i can't I can't keep track anymore yeah it's at least the third time I think sweet well, i think um later later this month or maybe early next month, I think uh we need to A Princess Bride episode and I told the the guys we got to save a spot for you so that's that's the magic word (laughs) yeah I know you're a big fan so so yeah so Richard and Kent as you you may know did uh, the Dark Tower episode earlier this week our regularly scheduled episode I was out of town we're going to talk about that in a minute here uh, in, in lieu of movie news and such. So I listened to their episode today. It was really good. I'm glad they covered it and, uh, and that I didn't have to cover it. That was nice as well. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did feel like uh, since I missed such a, a glorious film, uh, and a really fun one to talk about. I felt like I'd, I probably needed to uh, to do something to make it up for him. So we've had a lot of people ask us about whether or not we were going to do a Valyrian episode, which is weird because like eight people saw Valyrian. So I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. just a, a weird Venn diagram of our listeners wanting to know what we think about Valyrian. But um, so I told I told Kent and Richard that uh, that I would do a Valyrian episode uh, since they were doing Dark Tower and uh, and then. You know, and I, I had to get somebody to help me because there's no way I could do a solo <laughs> episode on Valerian. Uh, that would have been actual hell. So, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for sitting in with us, Ariel, and spending your money to uh, to see that. Uh, it's, that makes you a a, a true uh, patron of this show.
2: So we really. Uh, I, I should have made man. I should have made you pay for this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll Venmo you ten bucks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Come oh out gosh! Of our, out of our cut, for sure, for sure. So we're gonna get into that in a minute. Um, and I want to talk about just general trip because we actually met up on my trip, which is gonna be exciting and be fun to talk about. Before we do that, I want to get just a tiny bit of housekeeping out of the way. And uh, we told you guys when we started doing our Patreon VIP club. We told y'all that we would make sure that you got a shout out on the show and uh we're we're going to take care of a little bit of that right here. Uh I don't, we don't want to like just every single week name 30 people and stuff cuz it it gets old for for everybody but and we want you to feel like you have a you know a special moment and all that stuff. So, uh Ariel is one of our patrons and so yes, he's, sir. he's here with us tonight and I, I appreciate that Ariel. Um I'm going to read off some names here and uh if you if you haven't had your name called out yet and shout out on the show, just Bear with us. It'll happen over the next few weeks. We, we will not forget anybody, I promise. I have the spreadsheet to prove it. So uh, here's, a, here's a few names, and a big thanks to all these people uh, for their time and, and, and money and and just general support and whatnot. It really means a lot to us. So big thanks to uh, Robin Arroyo, to Felicia Baldwin, to our friend Eric Bishop, who's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, thanks a lot, Eric. Andy Bowman. I think Andy was on the show once, too. Luke Brewer. Mark Crimmins is, is our biggest fan uh, in Australia, so thanks, Mark. Thanks for support, and sorry about all the good day, mate jokes. I, I know that's got to be hard to <laughs> stomach. Uh, Austin Davis, Colin Fox, Andy Fraser. Andy Fraser and I actually went to the same college, which may not be a big deal if you went to like a real school but we didn't so it's always fun to bump into somebody who uh who went to college went to the same college and we actually crossed over there so that was kind of cool uh amelia gabbert Payne, who's been on the show michael hernandez is a big raiders fan so we we share that in common i'm not really a fan anymore but i'm just kind of like I i view them the way that you view like an ex-girlfriend you're just like i, I really hope good things for them but i, I can't can't say that I'm a fan anymore. So, but uh, but I'm but I'm hoping for you, Michael. I'm holding a good hope for you. Uh, my buddy Tobin Hodges, who when I saw his name come across the uh, the Patreon line, I was like, I I texted him. I was like, Dude, I'll give you this stuff for free. You don't have to do this. Like, it's not it's not a big deal. And his response was, Well, now you have to let me on the show. So that's true. That's that's accurate. <laughs> I've been I've been keeping him off, and now I don't have a choice. So uh, Ryan Kirk. Uh, Bryce Marita, who's been one of our early fans from the get-go. Thanks a lot, Bryce. Michael Penner, Travis Ruiz, Hannah Roberts, who is on our Dunkirk episode. Thanks a lot, Hannah. Uh, Chris Smith, Robert Gallagher, and Tanya Wheatley. So there's some names there. We'll, again, like I said, we'll get to more over the next few weeks. We'll make sure that everybody has their, their shout out on the air and gets their time, their like moment in the sun. Uh, if you're listening and you are not a, a a Patreon or a VIP, we would love to have you join us. You can head over to our website, just click the Patreon tab. Uh, and we have levels that range from $1 to $4 to $12 to $20 per month and, uh, supports the show, gives us a little bit of, of, uh, you know, takes care of some of the costs that we have. And, uh, and also you get really cool rewards and perks and, stuff like handwritten letters and stickers and certain levels get a, an autographed copy of now you see me which is everybody's dream autographed by us <laughs> I should say not not autographed by uh, by Jesse Eisenberg. but uh, yeah so anyway I, I won't I won't harp on that any further but if you're interested in joining that club uh, just hit that link and we'd love to uh, we'd love to add you to our group so now that that's out of the way Ariel we we met up uh, in New York this this last week I went with uh, with some buddies. We do this uh, baseball trip every year, and I say every year, It's this is like the third year of it, and the first year was Houston, so that's really not, you know, <laughs> that's not really a trip, that's kind of like... An inconvenience that you accidentally wound up in Houston, and so, but uh, so this is the third year of it. Last year we went to Chicago, went to Wrigley, and uh, on the way up there we we hit Bush Stadium in St. Louis. It's a lot of fun. Me and me, and my friend Tobin, and Jason, who's been on the show a couple times, and our buddy Matt, and uh, we always always have a good time with it. Try to plan it out to where. We're Rangers fans, obviously, from here in DFW, and uh, so we try to pick a stadium where the Rangers are playing. We try to go NL, too, because it's a little bit of, uh, you know, you don't get to the NL parks every year. It's Sometimes it's every three years or four years or five years. So anyway, so this year we went to New York to see the Rangers play the Mets at Citi Field, and, uh, and, and Ariel, you met up with us, man. You met us down at Times Square and, and hung out for a little while.
2: Yeah, it was it was fun. And Times Square is not exactly my um my my expertise nor nor is it my usual stomping grounds when I head into New York. Um but it it was fun to meet up finally to to meet Brian in person, to meet a fellow podcaster. Uh I've actually never met like fellow podcasters <laughs> in person. Like every time I guest somewhere or they guest on mine, it's just some faceless voice that I that I just know over the internet. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, it was really nice of you to come down and say I've never been to New York before. Uh, Tobin had I don't think Jason or Matt anyway. So most of us hadn't been before, and uh, we did this really stupid thing where we pretended like we were twenty years old again. And we so what we did because we thought this would be a great idea. And I'm a spoiler alert it was it was not. It was a very stupid thing to try to do at uh, at thirty four plus years old. Uh, but we flew in our flight left here in Dallas. Uh, at 6.10 a.m. So I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, which was which was a thing. That was very uh, not enjoyable at all. But uh, we flew in. Our flight left at 6.10. We arrived in New York about ten twenty or 10.30, Ubered to the hotel, and then we're like, the game didn't start until 7, and so we were like, well, we gotta do something New York, but there wasn't just a whole lot of time to do the fun stuff that people tweeted at me and told me I needed to do, and so... You know, if you've never been to New York, I'm not a big tourist trap kind of guy, really. Like, I'm not. I don't really care about most of that stuff. But I feel like if you go to New York for the first time, you have to do something kind of quintessentially uh, New York tourist. And so we'd heard that like Statue of Liberty could take forever, and I don't really care that much about that. And uh, we, <laughs> yeah, I don't care about freedom. Or, yeah, no. I hate. I really hate freedom. You should <laughs> you should see my vote. That's why I live in Texas. Um, but no, it's. <laughs> Didn't really, I had heard that could take all day, literally, and so didn't really have time to do that, um, and so we just, we ended up just going to, to Times Square and and seeing all the, you know, the, the sites and the, the big boards and all that stuff, and it was cool, but I always forget, and you may be like, I don't know if you're like this at all, Ari, but I, I'm i not, I don't really like, I don't really like people to begin with, but I don't like crowds, so crowds kind of make me a little nervous, because I I'm somebody who, I kind of have to be in control, or at least have like the facade of control over my environment and that cannot happen in a large crowd situation. It's like why concerts always stress me out a little bit. Like I I love music, I love live music, but I have to be able to go. It's like very specific uh, venues and whatnot that I can go to a concert at without just getting super, super stressed and just like watching people like i Jack Bauer or something like I just can't I don't know I just can't relax and really enjoy it so we get down to Times Square we rode the subway first time I've ever ridden like a a legitimate subway it's magical (laughs) it was yeah yeah it was was quite the uh, it was quite the experience some some stories from I mean we were on the subway for like you know 30 minutes some sort of stories I I cannot tell on the air for fear of uh, that that explicit tag. It was just it was wild. We've been on this subway about five minutes, and uh, I was facing forward, standing, and uh, and and Tobin, my friend, all of a sudden um, we're kind of talking across people, and he just his eyes get wide, and he gets this ridiculous look on his face, and I'm just like. I don't know what's behind me, but something terrible is about to happen. And I'm just so nervous of like, is it going to be someone naked? You know, like what's, what's, what's about to, Or is somebody peeing? Cause you know, Subway just reeks of urine all the time. And so I turn around just as the mariachi band started playing and it's like the guy, the, the, uh, the guy is like right next to me. I mean, just like pressing up against my back almost with his, uh, his accordion. And it was just like, Oh my <laughs> of <the> god, <laughs> of all the instruments. So that was, uh, that was a good introduction to, uh, I mean, I've been in New York for probably 10 minutes at this point. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> Oh, okay. This is everything that I, that I thought it would be. So, uh, so that was, that was, it was yeah. fun, but it was just kind of, it was, it was an interesting trip. Cause so we went to the baseball game that night. So we hung around and, in Times Square for a couple hours we had dinner or lunch together and and uh had a good time down there but i didn't realize too i didn't think about like Times Square everything there is the most generic sort of food options in the world and so Oh ab- we were, absolutely <laughs> yeah, absolutely we it's, didn't plan that out very well cuz i mean you know we live in Dallas it's a pretty big city and uh I have all of the Applebee's and Olive Gardens that I could possibly get my hands <laughs> on, you know? And so we get down there, we're like, oh, we'll just go eat in Times Square. And then as soon as we got in, we're like, oh, this was a, this was a mistake. We should have. We should have known better than to than do this. But we ended up eating at Junior's and then a nice burger and good cheesecake and all that sort of stuff. And uh, But then we had to go to the game. So we didn't have a whole lot of time just to hang and chill and stuff, but... Um, so it was right. very nice to, to finally meet you face to face and, and, uh, appreciate you, you showing us around and everything. Um, and then we had to, we had to head to, head to head to city field and, and the Rangers lost the first game. We went back the next day for, a, for a day game and, and won that one. So we came out with a split, which was, which was nice. Not that it matters because the Rangers are terrible this year. So are the Mets. So are the Mets. Was, yeah. That was fun. Oh. We, we got like a little heckling and then, very quickly went away just based on like, all right, both of these teams suck, so this really yeah. doesn't. This we, doesn't matter.
2: New York, New York fans are usually smart. When when we yeah. speak, we, we don't yeah. care. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. The first at bat uh, of the night game, uh, Shinsu Chu is our leadoff hitter, kind of by default, and he he came up to bat and Shinsu Chu powers me down. Big th- I don't want to get too baseball and sports intensive here but he's a major beat down to me because he just gets paid so much money for for so little production and uh he came up to bat and the guy behind us who is probably I would guess was like 22 23 he just starts screaming Boo! Boo! and he's just like <laughs> at us really not you know just trying to get a rise out of us which is you know fine it's totally respectable and all that and I just got I turned around and I was just like Yeah, we we agree. Like we, (laughs) he sucks. (laughs) We we really get tired of this guy too. And I think it kind of diffused the whole thing because then the rest of the night he was he just goes, oh. Well, okay. And then he just didn't say anything to us the, the rest of the, uh, the evening. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun to see. That's a great ballpark. One of the better ones that I've been to. I think I've been to 10 or 12 at this point and, uh, really cool experience and everything. So, uh, so we, we, we went to, uh, to finish the, the thought. We, we, uh, flew out that night. So I flew in, my planer left at 610 Tuesday morning and I was Back in my house by about eleven o'clock on Wednesday night, and so it was Uff. a, it was <laughs> it was a very quick and stupid thing to do, and uh, I'll probably be paying for it for uh, for the rest of the rest of the week. But uh, um, I want to segue into I want to hear this story that we were talking about off the air here. Uh, one of the dumber things that we did. So we you know we ate ballpark food uh, for dinner the, the first night. And we got back to the hotel at like 11 o'clock and we were too tired to go out and do anything, which is a bummer, but we were all kind of hungry. And so we were trying to find something to eat and all the places in the area, were cl- we were trying to get DoorDash, that wasn't working. We were trying to find some delivery, nothing would work. And so we didn't feel super comfortable like going out and finding something, cause it wasn't in the greatest area of the world. And so, and we super look like tourists, there's no question about Oh, that. absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's just, there's just no way, there's no way around it. And so, uh, so we ended up. This is the saddest thing. Ever. We tried to order pizza from like I, I assume like an authentic New York type place, and it was they just never answered the phone, and we couldn't get through. And so we ended up ordering papa john's and eating papa john's in the freaking lobby at our hotel in new york so that was uh that was not my not my greatest moment but uh you know oh (laughs) brian i i might have to hang up on you i know it was it was rough it was rough it wasn't i just want everybody to understand this was not by choice it was just like a matter of survival at that point so so we sat in the hotel bar and uh and ate pizza from papa john's so Oh. Shout out to Pop John's for. Uh, and you're in Queens. Oh I know, my dude. Gosh. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was like we we all like as we we're ordering it, all four of us were like, "This is a really stupid decision." That were if
2: you were in Brooklyn, cool. someone would have shot you. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm assuming they don't even deliver in Brooklyn, just because you know, just can't get through. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was a a very great decision on my part in the midst of many very good decisions over the course of 36 hours. And uh, but. We didn't eat Sabaro. So that was our joke. Uh, the running joke was that we went to the Michael Scott from the office Sabaro and that was the only thing that I really took pictures of in Times Square was just like, <laughs> oh look, Sabaro. So uh, so uh, we, we were talking off the air. You have a great Sabaro story. I want to hear that. And then we're going to get, we're going to stop talking about my vacation <laughs> that no one cares about. And we're going to get into uh, Valerian, which no one cares about. So tell us, uh, tell me, tell us your Sabaro story. Yeah. So, so like you, every time I have friends, you know, from college, from, from out of state, they,
2: they want to come to New York. They, they hit me up and say, Hey, come meet us in New York. It takes me about an hour to get in because of the, the two trains and whatever, but it's not a big hassle. I make my way out. So I have some friends from the Baltimore area and, uh, and, and they're like, Hey, it's Christmas. We're going to go see the tree, you know, go see Macy's, whatever. It's Christmas. So I'm like, yeah, I'll come out. It's cold, but I'll come meet you. Uh, you're coming from Baltimore. You've had a long bus ride, whatever. And so we see the tree, they take the pictures, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and these are my friends from school. And they said, all right, hey, we're pretty hungry. What should we eat? And they're like, I don't know what do you guys want to eat. I know a couple of places. And they're like, oh, let's go get pizza. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, they're in New York. They want to get pizza. Sure. <laughs> so we walk down two blocks and I see a pizzeria. I see a pizzeria like halfway down the block. I'm like, oh, let's go down there. And we're walking, we're walking, and I cross the street. And they keep walking and they turn left into the Sbarro. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like guys there's there's a pizzeria right across the street can we just go there and like no 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 we know Sabaro it's good pizza oh. and and I'm sitting there I'm sitting in there in Sabaro with my other friend who's who's from New York and and we don't eat anything. We just sit there.
1: They eat <laughs> at a protest. I say,
2: I say goodbye to my friends, and I've I, unf- I that night I unfriended them on Facebook. <laughs> I've never spoken to them again. It was <laughs> like, like you guys, you know, you didn't want to leave the hotel. You, you know, pl- places don't deliver fine, but like we were outside. We were over yeah, we yeah. on like fifty something Street, and, and there's a pizzeria across the street. <laughs> Any mom and pop shop. <laughs> In the entirety of New York Has better pizza than Sabaro. I'm sorry It's like the, the two bros dollar slices That you eat at two o'clock in the morning And you're from New York, New York. You know what I'm talking about right? Everyone's had it over the summer After you had a, a night out drinking Or you're just out with your friends Those slices are better than Sabaro. And I, 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 I haven't spoken to these people In seven years I like that Because of this I, I, it just, I, I was so mad I get mad about it still I haven't eaten Sabaro Since before that incident it's just Oh my gosh. It's all viled up now and and, and we're going to get into this great movie it's, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready.
1: Yeah. When we were in uh Chicago last year for this baseball trip, that was my big deal. It was like we play, we had a little more time to A we had a little more time in the city that year, but uh we also I put a little more time into planning and was ready for it and stuff. And that was my big deal is like I love deep dish pizza. But, you know, I know that I'm not getting real, true, authentic deep dish pizza here in Fort Worth, Texas. And so uh, so that was my whole deal was like I just that's the only thing I really care about besides going to Wrigley. I just at some point I want to get real deep dish pizza. And so we went And the first night. I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to this stuff. And I I, I relinquished control to like the group think, I guess, of like we're going to pick a place to eat we were staying at the worst airbnb in the history of mankind it's a a, just a miracle it is an absolute miracle if i didn't believe in god it would this would have changed my opinion like that we didn't get murdered it was the worst place ever and so we walked to like this bar in the area uh to get some you know quote unquote deep dish chicago deep dish pizza and i'm thinking at this point like this may be the only meal that i get a chance to do this because it's the same thing we were leaving the next day after the game was over and everything and uh Oh dude, we sat down and we ordered and it was like, it was deep dish, but it was like frozen pizza level of deep dish. I mean, it was such trash. And I was, I did the same thing. I was furious. I ate a piece and I just folded my napkin and set it on my plate and then just kind of uh. stared, at, stared at my friends for the, for the next hour. I was just like, this is, Trash. This is not even kind of close to. We could have gotten this in Little Rock, Arkansas, let alone in, <laughs> you know, in Fort Worth. So we were, I was, I was pretty bummed. We ended up eating, uh, eating somewhere much better the next day. We carved out a little bit of time. I think because I was very passive aggressive about how frustrated I was with this. And, uh, so we ended up. Remedying that situation the next day. But uh but I feel you. I, I respect uh I respect <laughs> the unfriend and I'm never speaking to you again over
2: yeah, pizza. That's strong. Kyle, like Kyle that. and I'm Brandon, you. if you happen to be fans, <laughs> like and you recognize the story,
1: I'm not talking to you. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right, dude. We have uh wasted enough time. I I tried to put it off and stall as long as I could. But uh oh, gosh. Let's let's take a quick break and uh and then we were gonna get into Valyrian and the city of a thousand planets.
0: Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ziprecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. For supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am? Fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms. that's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron a better way to cook.
1: All right. So we're here. <laughs> We've committed to this, this track of life. Um, this is what this is what they don't tell you when you're in podcasting school, kids, is that like <sighs> sometimes this has been a great summer. Great summer, can't complain. So many good movies, so many passable movies. Just in general, has been a lot of fun. Uh, there's, there's, it's not all good ones, you know. Sometimes, sometimes you're gonna no. run into a, a week that's not so great, and sometimes you just, I, I am of the opinion because I've been doing this not just in podcast form but in writing form and whatnot that I, I've been doing it for a long time. I try really hard to see as many big releases as I can. Even the bad ones, I'll typically try to sit through them just to be able to to say that I did for some weird, completist sort of reason. So, like, I probably would have seen Valyrian at some point anyway, but if I hadn't missed our episode this week, I definitely would have waited until uh, DVD or streaming or, or something like that. But, uh, so... Let's do this first. I want to get I've talked about the fifth element recently and kind of shared my thoughts on Luke Besson in general. Uh, You can go back and listen to that's available to our our VIPs on the Patreon page. If uh, if you didn't hear that, Uh, we put that out a couple weeks ago. So I've 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 had my my thoughts on the record with Besson. I'm not I'm not a huge fan don't really don't really totally get it but i think you kind of i i feel like you you potentially ariel liked uh like fifth element and maybe have a a different appreciation for basan in some ways but regardless i want to get i want to get your general thoughts on on basan and then go ahead and just kind of start us off with uh with your thoughts on on valyrian
2: yeah so I, i like i listened to your episode on the fifth element and i can totally see where you guys are coming from because from a a film critical standpoint, that that film is not particularly good. Um, but just from a, f- a pure, like sci fi nineteen nineties standpoint, I, I think that film has a lot of really like fun, ridiculous things that that haven't been done. Um, kind of taking a much lighter side than, than Star Wars ever did, um, because Star Wars is, was the only like big real sci-fi franchise up to that point um mm-hmm. especially in terms of the like, film if it wasn't a star trek film from the show or or star wars it you know nobody cared about it if it was sci-fi um so the fifth element had had some really great ideas uh, it had some really fun character designs um it had annoying chris tucker <laughs> or you know just chris tucker um <laughs> it's redundant and yeah, sure. and yeah and, it, and and while it is not you know, if someone was making a, a list of the the best, the most critically acclaimed sci-fi films of all time, uh, it would not make it, right? The Fifth Element in terms of how good it is. But if someone wanted to make a, a list of maybe the most influential, maybe the most, um, I don't want to say bold because it was like 1990-something. It's not that bold. But if you interviewed 100 people, mm-hmm. this makes their top 10 list, The Fifth Element. And it is because it has crazy, crazy designs and, and you know… Um, fun ideas and 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 a different outlook on sci-fi that people weren't willing to to take, you know. After yeah, after Star sure. Wars, um, but like I said, it's it's one of those. It's like a weird cult classic that you can't really explain as to why people like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the only reason I would watch it or like it today is is due to nostalgia factor, right? As of as of now, there have been two dozen, three dozen films that are better than it in terms of sci-fi. But in 1990, was it seven? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was not the case. It was Star Wars, Star Trek, and Fifth Element. Sure, um, but and 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 the problem with that is that you know people think that oh this guy Luke Basson has good ideas and, mm-hmm. and and with today's modern technology he'll come out and he'll make something great. When in reality he would just come out <laughs> with Valerian and make <laughs> uh, a movie that doesn't have any of the fun ridiculousness. Right, it, it doesn't have. Um, Bruce Willis being this weird caricature of himself doesn't have uh, Chris Tucker where he where he has has, has really silly moments. It, it doesn't have any of that mm-hmm. kind of joy behind the film that I think you really saw in Fifth Element, even if you didn't like it. Right there's this sure. energy behind it that, yeah. that Valerian doesn't have, and and this was and and I think the number one thing I took from Valerian is that he pulled the James Cameron quote where he said, "Oh, I didn't have the technology to make this." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1990 and 2000 so i'm gonna make it now except it still looks like it was made in 2000 yeah and and, and and it doesn't wow you like avatar does avatar was not a great film by any means but How when you watch you. it it's just the, it's just the number one grossing movie of all time <laughs> uh but when you watch it today or when you watch it at, at that moment in 2009 mm-hmm. unbelievably so long ago you were just so engrossed in the world and yeah. so built into it, and it, it looked like you were there. And, it, and as someone who played avid video games and, and watched the best of technology at the time, even you know, even years before I started podcasting, uh, it, it was just impressive. And you look at this, and and I boot up my PS4 and play, I don't know, Final Fantasy or, or Destiny or whatever, mm-hmm. and the graphics are better. They're, they're they're better than what we're getting in this film, and, and that is just. The tip of the iceberg because visually this movie is is just lackluster and and from a script standpoint it was just one of the worst things I've heard all year just (laughs) just, I don't like you you can go on from there but those are my my major impressions that this film is just it's just not what it was claiming it was visually yeah and it was just so awfully written just Mm -hmm. awful
1: yeah I think that's a good that's a good way to start the I've never read this. uh, this graphic novel or this, this comic book series. I don't, I don't know if you have, nor have I. Okay. It's so old. It's irrelevant. Sure. I, I see where I'll say this. I see how somebody could read. I'm assuming a lot of this comes from uh, the comic book, at least, you know, the, the the kind of the bare bones of what's happening. And I, and the, I think the visual style reflects uh, or at least attempts to reflect uh, that kind of comic book look in a way. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that's that's I get why somebody, especially someone who's a little bit younger, would read that comic book and the series and and, and become kind of fascinated with it and let that be a big part of, uh, you know the for for in Bassan's case, I you can definitely see in the Fifth Element. The um, influence of of Valyrian, or like what he was, what's in Valyrian, you can kind of see like the the bones of it in Fifth Element, just from the visual style and the the supposed grandness or the attempt at at grandiosity. Is that a word? I don't know, but like uh, I, I kind of get it. I get what yeah. I guess I get what what we're going for here, or what or why this potentially why it was kind of fertile ground for a movie i i get it i see it i would say maybe a six-part series instead would be maybe a little bit more beneficial because mm-hmm. the problem one of the big pro- there's many problems there's many many problems but <laughs> oh we'll get there <laughs> one of the problems is it's a very very dense story to start with it's a you're you don't see um a real human on screen for about 20 minutes maybe 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 more um and then when you Uh, oh yeah it's dained on it kind of doesn't look like a human so it's it's a weird (laughs) it's a weird place to start and when you spend that much time that's kind of like like 2001 does that that's that's my problem that's always been my issue with 2001 is like if i could just chop off the first hour and a half of 2001 i would love that movie but i can't and I, i that beginning just kills me every time I, I try to to watch it despite how much i respect it so i, I don't want to put i don't want to put valyrian in the same category as 2001 but it's that it <laughs> they're is, not comparable they're not yet i mean we'll see how time judges this one, obviously. Oh yes uh, but no like when you start off with that opening which is just like on this random planet and every character looks like an avatar knockoff and yeah there's a that's a I want to talk about that in a second. There's. <laughs> Lupusan has been sued before for, for taking, uh, just kind of taking other people's ideas and using them as his own. Kind of passing them off as his own. I'm not... I know this is an adaptation of a comic book. There's there's not a lot in here that doesn't feel like a knockoff of, of something else. So, that's not great. That's not really what you want from your $220 million budget, big time uh, blockbuster. But, um, yeah, when you start off the way this does, and it's so dense, and there's a lot going on, and maybe... It's possible that there's a story worth telling in here somewhere. I'm not totally sure about that, but but I could see where somebody would think that there is, I guess, if I read this comic book and I was like, oh, yeah, I could, I could see how this could work. It doesn't work in this setting, I don't think. It doesn't work... At very least, it doesn't work as a two-hour film made by, by Luke Besson, right? Like, it's just mm-hmm. not, he's not the right guy to do it when clearly this is something that he cares about and it's a passion project and he's been trying to get it off the ground forever and all this sort of stuff. That's all well and good, but he's not the guy to to make that happen. And so that, <laughs> it kind of plays like that for the entire movie. The entire movie, I'm just sitting here thinking like, there's stretches where I was like, man, if Terry Gilliam did this, this might be an interesting movie. And then there, right. there were stretches where I thought, man, if J.J. Abrams did this, this might be an interesting movie. And and probably five other directors came to mind as I'm watching this film. And so I, I guess I see why somebody would want to do the movie. But good gracious, like what a what an absolute convoluted mess it is once it's actually put to the screen. Um Gosh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 just it's a jumble, and it's not. You're right, hundred percent. It is very poorly written. Um, I want to talk about the actors here in a few minutes. Oh uh, gosh, because that's the thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, going back to what you said about the director, right? And and I, I thought the same exact thing with the Dark Tower. If you took somebody. Like Peter Jackson, and he loved the source material mm-hmm. as much as he loved Lord of the Rings, and he had a vision as as big as he did for Lord of the Rings, and and, and this is the type of ambition that Luke Basson, I think, sold to his investors. Yes, and obviously did not did not have, and this is the type of thing that the fans wanted for the Dark Tower, and they were not given it. Uh, but it takes a very special type of person to make mm-hmm. those type of films, and and I think Lord of the Rings is one of the modern masterpieces in cinema, one of the best things ever made. I I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, like that is, it is, there's a reason why like Peter Jackson stopped caring about the Hobbit. And there's a reason why he he hasn't made anything. There's a reason why he's exhausted because it's just so draining and it's sure it costs millions and millions of dollars. Um, In terms of that, that first, like twenty minutes. There's a great Kurt Vonnegut quote, uh, quote that says every sentence must do one of two things: reveal character or advance the action. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I tend to live by that in terms of what I consume and what I write. Sure. And and that first twenty minutes just that could have been two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. It, it's just and the whole movie's like that. Yep. Um. But going going back to your comments on uh on Fifth Element and and, and Valerian the comic, mm-hmm. um, I think Fifth Element really worked because you watched it and you thought. Uh, if if te- technology were advanced, um, this could be a much better film because he has great ideas and mm-hmm. he just can't execute them, and and it just ended up being those things where the, the potential was just you know just not didn't live up to it. It's like a first round draft pick with all the tools, mm-hmm. just ending up being a great athlete. Like he he can't play the game, right? He can't he do, he doesn't play the sport well. He can't play the game, um, and then and then it, I think another major problem with this, uh, judging from our perception of what we thought from the ads and, and the title, is that. You no know, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets is such a grand name. Uh, the the advertising really didn't show you mm-hmm. or tell you anything that was going on. Um, if you had if you had told me to make a bet that the character's name was going to be the the name of the film, I, I would have been like, no, that, that's Same That's here. so dumb. Yep. Like like it, it was it was baffling. And, mm-hmm. and and apparently that, that is the name of the character in the comic. And he's a, he's like a Tom Cruise esque, you know, yeah. Mission Impossible character and not Dane DeHaan. Gosh. Um he's not Green Goblin Jr. Um Ugh. Valerian's actually a human and not a goblin. Um it's it's you know it's just and then and then you only have two major set pieces really in this in terms of the, the planet slash dimension and and the the base which has a thousand Gosh. which is your base of a thousand planets. Like it, it was just such poor marketing, poor, it was really just, it was false advertising. Uh-huh. And I think that really led to the downfall of this film.
1: Yeah, I think you're totally right. They, it looked like Jupiter ascending and nobody saw Jupiter yes. ascending. And so I guess you could, if you're the marketing company or the the student, like it really wasn't a studio because this is an independent film. So I guess you could say, well, no one saw Jupiter ascending. So it's possible that we're going to be able to skate by without worrying about this. But but also, no one saw Jupiter Ascending because it looked freaking terrible, and it was so confusing what it was even about in the in the trailers. And then come to find out, it's way more confusing even than the because you know, Channing Tatum's a space werewolf, and so that <laughs> really beast. didn't convey. In the uh, man, Jupiter Ascending, Jupiter Ascending is a <laughs> is a gem of uh, it, it's it's almost a bummer that Jupiter Ascending came out in 2004. Fourteen or fifteen or whatever it did, because if it had come out in the seventies, I think it would have a life as a a, a cult film, uh, kind of the way that like uh, Troll Troll Two does. Because I mean, it's so it's so bad that you have to think if you don't know the Wachowskis, you you would think this is two these are this is a B director making a right. joke movie right like this can't be for real and instead no they really they're really like that so yeah no, i think you're 100 right valerian it looked the first from the first trailer on i was like this is jupiter ascending 2.0 and i i also i'll say i had no idea that the name valerian was the name of the character and i'm with you i was like very confused but i would have been very confused by that i saw at like i don't know a target or something they had funko pops from valerian and so one of them was Valerian of Valerian. And I was like, wait, what? That's the guy's name? That doesn't yeah. make any kind of sense. And they uh, intentionally hide that too. <laughs> At no point in the trailer does Carrie yeah. Delvine call him Valerian. Yeah. Jeez, man. Um Yeah, so here's I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna give a one really one positive that Maybe it could be spun off into a couple, but I don't think this is as bad. It's certainly not as bad as I expected it to be. Um, when you know, when I'm thinking this is going to be Jupiter thing, Jupiter thing literally, man, is one of the I don't know five or ten worst movies that I've that I've ever seen. And so, oh yeah, from the get go, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> so I thought I was getting that. It's not quite as bad as that. Now I don't get. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that I that I respect if not typically agree with on opinions who have talked about how this is a very underappreciated film and it's actually really grand and people just aren't getting it and I guess if you're a big Luc Besson fan there I guess I would say if if you bought into the Fifth Element there's really no reason why uh, you might not buy into this one, I guess. Um, I, I disagree. Just cause you, cause you expect you, evolution yes. of some. Kind. Sure. That's, that's totally true. But I think it is more of the same, um, yes, maybe with the, the technology advance, maybe gave him the freedom to do, um, stupider stuff, not, <laughs> not better stuff. But, um, I don't know. Like I saw a lot of people who were like, man, this is a really good movie. I don't, I don't see that, but it certainly is not as bad as I, as I was expecting. Um, the thing that I was, I, I was impressed, very impressed with one thing. You mentioned the visuals. The visuals are not good, but that at the very least, they were consistent of that same, the vision from the beginning to the end is is very consistent and stays the same. And I, I appreciate that because I get tired of, I feel like a lot of poorly done uh, action movies and, and sci-fi movies and stuff, the action scenes look completely disconnected from the rest of the film like it you you get these action, you get these normal sequences where it's two people talking and it looks like a, a typical movie whether it's shot well or not doesn't really matter it just looks kind of pretty normal and then you move right. into the action and it looks like uh, a video game from from 2005 like spider-man 3 is a great example of this where it's like the you know you're watching that movie for 15 or 20 minutes my son was watching it the other day and so i was reminded of you know, you get 15 minutes of, of kind of normalcy and then all of a sudden uh hobgoblin shows up and it looks like a trailer for a movie or for a video game that would have been on like Nintendo 64 or something. It was just like, it's, it's awful. And so there is a consistency in the the visual vision, I guess. And I thought there were some really cool ideas for as far as uh, settings and technology and, and things like that. The, the, the the city of a thousand planets is a really it's too big it's too big of a spectacle to really put on screen and i don't think it worked very well but that opening sequence or the second i guess sequence especially um when they're on the at the the big market i thought it was a really cool it looked okay but more than anything like the design of that that idea of you you put on this VR set basically to step into another dimension and the way in which that worked. That was a really cool idea. And there were some others... And that... I'm assuming that comes straight from the comic, and if if you're a listener and you've read the comic, you can email us or, or tweet at me or whatever and tell me if uh, if I'm right or wrong on that. But I would assume that came straight out of the comics, and it was a genius idea. Like I would love, I hate that it was used in this movie because that's so cool yeah. and could have been done better uh, in a in a in a better movie. And there were other little pieces throughout that were that kind of reminded were like, oh, that's a really cool idea. That's a smart design. The the robot warrior things, which. I was calling k packs in my head. I know that that's not correct, but it was something like k pot I don't know. Those were cool. That was <laughs> a cool design, like a like sort of a, a costume design on those K two S O. Yeah, yeah. The K two S O S were really cool. Um, and and it's even some of like the the armor that they wear, the Valerian and Loreline. Uh, Loreline wear. It's it's, it's kind of cool. Like I I I get the. I see some spectacle in that that's really cool, and you're not going to catch that in... That is something that Luc Besson has an eye for, I think, is mm-hmm. um, a visual spectacle, and it's a little bit weird and a little bit strange and off and and certainly different, and that's that's fun. Um, and so that, that gave me enough. That kind of stuff gave me enough to mostly make it through the rest <laughs> of the movie without completely dying like i i wasn't happy obviously it was it's not good that my grade will will reflect that but it wasn't it was much more bearable i think because of these little touches than i (laughs) than i really than i really expected um so i'll ask you that if there's anything that i haven't mentioned that you know you can you could say is a positive and then we'll get into (laughs) some more of the uh of the negatives uh you know that's just a natural
2: balance of the film that we have to reflect (laughs) uh there there was some like like you said there were good ideas uh and 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 that is something that luke bassan um and i don't want to give him a ton of credit because from my understanding and the research i've done the he he got the writers or artists of the valerian comic Mm -hmm. to come work on the fifth element right and then he got them to work on this film as well Mm -hmm. um but, but, but even so, we'll give him credit for some of the ideas like the market. Um, there was consistency in terms of, uh, like the, the the all the characters and, and all that stuff. Well, the, like I said, the video game stuff was really that for those first twenty minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where nothing looked nothing really looked real, especially in, compared to like Avatar, yeah. Which like they're tall, skinny, blue creatures. You you have to make that. Um and, and The only thing is that it just it all seems derivative uh, of, mm-hmm. of of everything that Absolutely. we've had lately. Yeah. And, yeah in a world where star wars is not resurrected star trek is not resurrected um hellboy doesn't exist right Uh, these last films of the last 15 years Mm -hmm. this is Mm -hmm. a this is a marvel this is a uh, science fiction marvel but those those black robots they look like death troopers and Mm k2so's sure um the the monster the monster in um when they're first buying the 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 thing from mule or whatever yeah. that animal, uh, he looked just like uh, the monster in the in Mass Kanata's bar in in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you have you know the, the Avatar people without hair. It's it's really just every literally like you, the, the suits were suits straight out of GI mm-hmm. Joe, the mm-hmm. first GI Joe film with Channing Tatum. Everything I saw was stolen from somewhere else, and, and yeah. you know it's and it's so different when you watch like. You watch Game of Thrones; it, it would be so easy to steal everything from Lord of the Rings yeah. or Harry Potter or something, and and they don't. They try to make things unique mm-hmm. because you are fighting. You're you're g- getting some of the same audience, but you are trying to be original in it. And I think they're succeeding. Uh, when in this, it really doesn't try. Yeah, and, yeah, and and there's there's you know there's there's nothing there's nothing I saw that 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 really seemed original to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that plays out in the acting too because everybody in this film is doing an impression of somebody else. Uh, Dane yeah, DeHaan, yeah. Y- you mentioned Tom Cruise earlier. Dane DeHaan is doing his best Tom Cruise impression and it's miserable. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's brutal and terrible. Um, you know, even like I love Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is a very underrated actor who deserves more acclaim than he gets. And then he, he but he did this, so I don't know. He might, he might be getting as much as he gets because he's he's kind of doing like a Johnny Depp impression and not, and you know, like a a, a little bit of a, a Jack Sparrow bit. Even like the, I don't even know the guy's name, but there's a. The guy who's like the captain of the boat when she goes to find that jellyfish, he's kind of doing a yeah. Ron Perlman impression, and so, like every <laughs> yeah, that wasn't Ethan Hawke. That was uh, that was Clive Owen. No, right? Ethan Hawke is the is uh, Rihanna's. <laughs> this is a sentence. Ethan Hawke is Rihanna's pimp in this movie. So <laughs> oh, there we go. There's there's I, the I, quote for I this episode. It I'm going to go ahead and leave that up for the open. Uh, <laughs> Ethan Hawke is Rihanna's pimp. Um yeah he he's kind of doing a giant depth clive owen i hate clive gotcha owen. i i don't i this is a very this is a strange corner to get on i'll say like i don't know anybody else who's like oh yeah clive owen's the worst i hate clive owen And anytime i had no idea that he was even in this movie when he showed up i was like ugh clive yeah. Owen. this just went down a grade just because of him i don't i, I really don't have anything to back that <laughs> up i just don't like that guy so he always seems like he doesn't care at all and there's a there's people who can pull that off and then there's people that can't and with him it's just like man you just just always comes off as kind of a tool to me anyway that's beside the point because he's <laughs> he's very clearly the best actor uh, <laughs> on screen in spite Gosh. of the fact that I I don't care for him I mean Herbie Hancock is like the sixth build person herbie Hancock I
0: yeah and Herbie yep. Hancock
1: by the way multiple times he, he pretty much only appears uh, on a video screen so you kind of just see like yeah from his forehead down to, to his chin. He's very clearly reading the lines off of a teleprompter. So that's not great. It's <laughs> not great in a $220 million movie. Probably could could go a different direction. But, you know, Basan, he just seems like he, he kind of... He, he doesn't kind of. He definitely does. He likes to work with people who don't have a lot of chops or a lot of skin in, on the skins on the wall, so to speak. And... <laughs> I get I mean I get that that's all well and good if you're a really good director and you can pull out good performances out of people um but I <laughs> I don't think that that's uh I don't think that's happening here Dane DeHaan no, is a terrible not. dude like I didn't yeah. I liked him in some things from the past you mentioned uh Harry Osborn I had completely forgotten that he was he was Harry Osborn that's that movie is so completely forgettable to me but um, I, you know, he's very good. I liked him a lot in Chronicle early on. He's good in Lawless. He's good in The Place Beyond the Pines. He had some good, some good run, but like, I don't know what he's doing now. Cause it's not, it's not good. And this was awful. It was awful. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate because you could
2: really s- at one point, his, his career could have gone one of two ways, right? It could have gone Hayden Christensen, which uh-huh. I, I think it's clearly going, <laughs> or it could have gone something like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be an Oscar winner, but you know, Leonardo DiCaprio had this like real smoldery, mm-hmm. you know, young, good looking. I can kind of act. Give me a good director,
1: and I could do something. And uh, and it's not working out for him, sure. You know, yeah, he was he was really bad. And it in part, to be fair to him, it's in some parts it's not his fault cuz he shouldn't have been cast no. in this role like this is he looks like a 12 year old and and i i can i feel like i can say that because i also look like a 12 year old and so you cannot cast if if i was an actor in hollywood you cannot cast me in a uh in an action role like being the hero of an action movie. It's not yeah you you'd have to you have to cast me as like the the weakling who turns out to be the hero somehow like through wit or sarcasm or or something like that. There's there's you just couldn't put me on screen. I don't I would not work in that capacity. Uh neither does does Dane DeHaan. He's he's really bad and then he's just he's really leaning in trying hard to uh to get this across that he's just he's kind of a bad A and it, boy, boy, it doesn't work. Uh, It doesn't help him either that every line out of his mouth for the first, I don't know, five or six minutes of his screen time is like, exposition explaining his character oh my gosh this should have been called exposition <laughs> yeah, yeah. city of a thousand yeah, planets 100%. it was terrible so much of that man so much of that i mean it, it reminded me it reminded me of mcgruber when uh when they first <laughs> meet mcgruber and and i wish richard was here to because he has this quote memorized because it's it's tattooed on his bicep but uh when ryan Philippi <laughs> is describing is is going through mcgruber's profile and it's you know he's just like green beret seven purple hearts and the former tight <laughs> end. For the University of Texas El Paso, that kind of thing. Like,
2: Valerian is saying this to his Jesus. partner, <laughs> yeah.
1: who we are led to believe they've been partners for a while. It does; it's for not like while. they just met. But he's <laughs> he's reading him, her his his resume. Um, Dane DeHaan is so bad, and if if we have listeners at this point who haven't seen the movie, um, which is again like ninety nine point nine percent of America, but uh, if you're if you're still listening, just to just to kind of put it into, uh, put it into picture of like how bad he is. He is. He makes Cara Delavine look like a good actress, and Cara Delevingne is a very, very, very bad actress. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because I just kn- knew that she's not good, and I expected her uh, to be as bad as she is. But I walked out being like she was exactly what I she was exactly what I thought she would be, and it was. C minus acting. Dane DeHaan is somebody who I, I feel like had chops at one point and, uh, and certainly right. <laughs> certainly did not show it. But yeah, she, she comes out looking much better than, than he did, which I would never have, uh, would never expected going in. Cause she's, uh, she just doesn't, she just doesn't need to be in a movie. She's just not good. She has, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I have more chemistry with like the Dr. Pepper that I'm drinking than she has with, with any co star so far anyone in yeah. the movie. Especially the choreographer from Suicide Squad. But uh that's that's pretty bad. And Gosh. then you know, and then Rihanna shows up and you know, it <laughs> I'm on as Richard yeah, and Kid like to point dick. out, I'm on record as being a big Battleship fan, and that also includes <laughs> Rihanna. But um if you have a scene in which Rihanna who you know might be the most beautiful person male or female on the planet um yes she's up there let's let's be let's be, yeah. let's be real when when you have a scene in which she is um performing a, let's say a a sexy dance um and and changing costumes and such and you're still like oh my gosh this movie is so bad i just i don't i don't know that that speaks well of her uh, acting ability and and her presence in uh presence in cinema yeah it was no like salma hayek from Dustful dawn right (laughs) like like it was not one of these situations yeah you were still fully aware of how terrible this movie Um, is man yeah i i think dude i think that's you kind of hit it there that that may be the that may be the defining flaw in this whole movie is that if you're gonna do a sci-fi epic especially one that Something else I'd give it credit for. It is very bright. That's something that I liked about Fifth Element compared to a lot of other sci-fi films is that, um, especially once it gets out into the stars and whatnot, it's a brighter film than you typically get in sci-fi these days. And yeah. But if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have um, this movie that is built on spectacle and, uh, and, and, again, grandiosity, that's not a word, but that's what I'm going to go with, it, it, you have to at some point you have to get the audience to get completely wrapped up in what's happening to like be excited or at least willing to be taken on this journey or on this ride or whatever, and kind of get wrapped up in it and forget about uh, in some ways that you're watching a movie, right? Like you have to really be into it. And I don't think there's ever there's for me at least, and it sounds like you as well. There's never a time where, I wasn't fully aware that I was watching a very bad Luc Besson uh, sci-fi epic type of type of movie instead of like just getting completely um, into the universe and the characters and, and all that's, that's happening on screen there. It, it's not enough of a treat for, it's not enough of a treat for the eyes or the ears or, <laughs> or the brain to, uh, to be able to, to get there. I think.
2: Right. And, and this suffers, you know, you're talking about grandiosity, uh, which I actually think is a word. All right. Uh,
1: I've but I've decided it we're good.
2: <laughs> it, this this does suffer from the fact that uh, it, it it is very bright, but it but is taking itself just way too mm-hmm, seriously, mm-hmm. and that is something that the fifth element never really did, uh, because you have like Bruce Willis just not having a care in the world. You have this ridiculous uh, Mila Jovovich wearing this ridiculous outfit. Chris Tucker being absolutely ridiculous. Gary Oldman being absolutely ridiculous. You have Ian Holm, who's a very good actor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, being being absolutely ridiculous. Like. Everyone is just so over the top, so ridiculous, and you have like these big comical, comically looking villains that can tip over if you push them. Um, that you kind of just go along with the ride. It's just like a fun romp, um, and and like I said, that might not be everybody's style. You might mm-hmm. not like it as a film, Sure. but you 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 know that it's not taking itself seriously. Much like something like Pacific Rim. Like if you thought it was taking itself too seriously, it just went over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, this is just. Like this is supposed to be his Lord of the Rings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I he very much thinks that, and, and it's
1: yes. clearly, it's clearly not. Yeah. I think that's the problem for him in general is that somewhere along the line, and <laughs> he kind of strikes me as the type of guy that would give himself a nickname. So maybe this, <laughs> that's what happened, but somewhere along <laughs> the line, somebody, somebody started referring to him as the French Steven Spielberg. And I think he's taken that to heart that he's just like, it's gotten into his head that this is who he is and that's what he does. And I mean, dude, you're the guy that produces Taken. Like, let's just let's call a spade a spade. Like, The Professional was a really solid movie, and I get the Fifth Element. you know, people that like that, I guess. Um, but like, you're not you're not out here making masterpieces left and right. And I, I always feel like you're right. Fifth Element doesn't take itself too seriously, but I I've always felt like. Uh, I've always felt like Luke Besson thought that that was a masterpiece, that that was like this right. brilliant piece of, of sci-fi, like this thing that changed sci-fi forever. And it's like, I don't think that that's, that's accurate at all. And that 100% plays out uh, in this, in this film. I mean, this, this is, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. I, I, I thought of uh, I thought of what would happen, and I wish I had time to see Dark Tower before, because Dark Tower kind of falls into this category too, because of its source material and its epic. But I kind of thought about what would have happened to Game of Thrones if they would have tried to do a movie and uh, got you know a, a, a director of of this caliber to to put it all together. It just it would have gone off the rails so quickly and been an absolute train wreck instead of you know maybe the biggest cultural touchstone of of the era at this at this moment yeah, anyway. It, it
2: it's definitely like Game of Thrones is, is definitely the the defining piece of pop culture of the generation. Uh it was like well, it now was like you supplanted me, Harry Potter, ways, I think. Sure, yeah. Oh yeah. Um he's if Luc Besson is the French Louis Ledier. Um Louis Lettier is in this
1: movie, <laughs> by the way. He's he makes an appearance. Is he really? He's like uh he is oh he's <laughs> Oh I'm dropping this a letter grade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you could, t- I think you could tell because one scene when he's, when, uh, when Valerian saves, uh, Sergeant Loreline, which is an, oh, such a funny name. Anyway, when he saves her, uh, and they do that spinning camera, that's like the most now you see me, Louis Ledier spinning camera that isn't in a now you see me or, or Louis Ledier movie. So he may have shot that scene perhaps. Is, is my guess. Some, some AD work. For, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's the, uh, at the very beginning of the movie, I think. I can't remember now if it came which is sad because I literally saw it today, but uh at the very beginning of the movie, the captain that's like welcoming everybody onto uh the city of uh a thousand or whatever, the city of a thousand planets, one of those captains that's like shaking people's hands and stuff is is gotcha. Louis Lodier. So So uh quite the uh quite the accomplishment there. So that was <laughs> just a little little uh little treat there, a little Easter egg for uh for the Now You See Me fans out there. But uh, so, um, gosh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, <laughs> positive or negative that really is dying to be mentioned. The, the whole sequence where uh, she gets kind of taken hostage or, or kidnapped and then he has to then go recruit Rihanna <laughs> and then disguise himself to go and save her and stuff. That's like a 45 minute sequence that. Really bears has no bearing on the film, the plot. Whatsoever. Yeah, the overall yeah. plot. Yeah, I mean, it really. I yeah. I'm guessing something similar to that happened in the in the comics, and they're just trying to do some lip service to that. But it it's you know this movie's two hours and fifteen minutes long. I would have liked it a lot more. Much like Kent and Richard, especially gave I think I think graded the Dark Tower up a notch because it was so short. Um, I I think I would have been in the same boat for this. If you could have cut this down to an hour and a half, uh, and just by cutting that scene, I I think I would have uh, I think I would have really appreciated. It. But nothing nothing happened there that was I don't know viable. That was important. That was significant to what was right. going on. So, um, so I don't know. Do you have any other any other thoughts on on positives or or minuses or or, or anything that that happened uh, on the screen? No, I have no positives. Um, <laughs> It's just it's good. Just know, um, in the beginning,
2: there was like this should have been a TV show. First of all, there should have been yeah. some stars HBO type TV show uh, because it, it was just it was just constant constant cuts. Mm-hmm. The editing was just Gosh, it's yeah. kind of like Batman v Superman where where not a single thing could breathe. Yeah, and you couldn't you can't really focus on anything before it it tries to move you along. Um, there was some serious uh, plagiarism by their spaceship sounds. Spaceship sounds. I don't know if you heard it it was a TIE fighter. Yeah. 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 It was, it was like direct TIE fighter sounds. Um, And, uh, and in terms of the score, it really bothered me because there were times where the score was trying to get you to feel something because something was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, And, and nothing ever happened. Right. Like the score builds and builds and then nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So it was a waste. You,
1: You can't do that kind of thing unless you're scoring a movie in which, uh, the characters have earned some kind of uh, respect or or yeah. attachment or anything like that from the audience. And there's, if you're into this movie, it's not because of the characters, right? <laughs> like, there's no way, even somebody who is just like, man, Valyrian... A-plus. Great movie. There's no way that that person is like, and you know what? Favorite character of the year is is uh, Sergeant Loreline. Yeah, that was my, my favorite performance of the year. Favorite character. No one cares about the characters. If you're into this movie, it's because of the vision and the world and, you know, this kind of the, the spectacle of it all. So don't give me a score that's trying to, to build attachment between me and these terrible shallow characters. That's a really, that's a really poor, that again kind of lends itself to this idea that. That uh, I almost said that Louis Lydier because now I got Lydier on the (laughs) brain, but that Luc Besson uh, thought that he was, you know, this was his opus, basically. Uh, It's just, that's, it's not, I don't know. Make better choices on that front because it's not a bad score. It's just, it doesn't match what is happening on screen, uh, pretty much, pretty much at all. Um, So. Yeah, that's that's kind of all I've got. I didn't give a spoiler alert. I assume no one cares. Uh, sorry, whatever. But um, Wise. <laughs> I this is? It, you know, <laughs> it, it, this movie's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it's also it's kind of disappointing that it's not that bad because then you could kind of be like, dude, this is. I walked out of Jupiter Ascending and I texted Kent and Richard immediately and was like, you guys have got to see this movie. We've got to talk about it. It's so terrible. Um, that it's just gonna be it's gonna be so much fun to talk about. It's gonna be something that we're gonna reference uh for the length of <laughs> of this podcast. Um and this isn't it's not to that level. It's like kind of on the level of something like Power Rangers that I is very bad to me, was very, very bad to me, but that isn't uh something that's gonna be I'm not gonna remember it in two years as like, oh gosh, remember Valyrian? It's until the next time Luke Besson puts out a movie and I'll say, Oh, remember Valyrian? you know that's that's the right. only time that i'll i'll ever remember it so it's kind of a bummer in a way that it's not uh that it's not it didn't play out so bad that it's uh, kind of a fun bad um yeah uh i i actually have a confession
2: in regards to this movie
1: i wanted to see if i can
2: get through the whole episode yeah without you noticing i didn't even finish it <laughs> I walked out an hour 15. Oh man. Um, I have a different criteria than Richard. Uh-huh. I think Richard's criteria is that if he can figure out what's going to happen at the end of the movie, he'll walk out. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, mine is, is that if, if I have gathered everything I need to know about a film, right. To, mm-hmm. to, to fully make my review, I, I then I'm going to walk out. I'm not wasting my time. Sure. Now I, you, you asked me to watch this, what this week, uh, or, or, or late last week. And, uh, it has been doing so bad in theaters around here <laughs> that I had to drive forty minutes to a theater, and the only showing was at ten thirty at night. Oh gosh, that's brutal. That's brutal. So yeah, yeah. So if it, if this, you know, if it was like three o'clock or mm-hmm, five o'clock mm-hmm. on yeah. a on a Wednesday, I would have stayed the whole time. I'll I'll be honest, man. Um, but yeah, just just like Dark, Dark Tower, I made like 45 minutes and I walked out because there was nothing that this movie mm-hmm. could tell me yeah. Uh, based on what I've seen in the trailers and what I saw and what I know of it, um, where it would change my
1: mind about it. And, and that is exactly what happened yeah. with this film. It's, yeah, I, I would say you, you uh, <laughs> I would say you missed uh, nothing because it it's just, it just doesn't, right. it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't have any significance. And that's, that's a crying shame too. The last thing I'll I won't talk about and then we'll grade and we'll get out of here because we've gone, we've thought more about this movie than, uh, <laughs> Than anybody who is in the movie, so that's you know, it's always a good sign. Uh, not not doing well, not doing well at the box office, as you mentioned. Uh-uh. I only my local theater uh, that I go to for for most showings, just mostly kind of out of out of convenience, more than it just being a theater that I particularly love. But it's a pretty big theater with I don't know eighteen or twenty screens. Uh, it had two showings uh, this week, two showings uh, during the day. And I, so I imagine tomorrow it'll be it'll be out of theaters completely. Even though there's really only one or two movies opening this week. But anyway, um, look, we we I did not expect. I certainly didn't expect that it was going to make money here. Even with that thought, thirty-seven million is pretty. <laughs> that's pretty low, even for a movie that I didn't think would would do well here. But the the real problem, uh, to date, it's made fifty-one million overseas. So it's a total of about eighty-eight million dollars and in France it only made 20 million dollars and that that was shocking. I thought France it was yeah. going to clean up uh, just because of the name recognition and the value and whatnot. Um, this movie so box office mojo is usually pretty accurate but this is a weird uh, this is a weird production because it was all done independently. They have it tagged at at about 175-180 million dollars. I'd read that it was closer to 10 to 20 and that doesn't include the marketing and uh advertising and all that stuff there's it's pretty good chance that they' they'd need to hit mm, somewhere between three and three fifty to uh to get back to even right <laughs> and at this point if it made a hundred and fifty it would be. Uh, unless, unless the France tickets is like some weird deal where, you know, it was only open in five theaters and it's going to expand or something. I, I don't really, you know, I can't pretend to understand, uh, completely <laughs> overseas cinema and stuff. And me, I don't know if it's open in China yet or not. This might be something that because of the visuals and stuff that the plays will there, but uh, uh, I, I would say, I would say at come this on, point, China. I know, get your stuff together, China. We really, we, step it up for us Asians. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean not yeah, yeah, I can't claim that unfortunately, <laughs> not yet. Um, but so, like 150 million might be the most reasonable. This so it's going to lose, it's going to lose millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and, and it's going to cost people their jobs. It's going to cost. It's going to send companies under because of the way that Lupuson secured funding. But I'm shocked. I'm shocked at how low that total is uh, from overseas and and from from France. Uh, in in particular that just i i would not have have seen that come by by comparison by comparison jupiter ascending made 184 million dollars total over its run and it was on about a 200 million dollar budget or maybe 175 so even by jupiter ascending standards this is a this is a Sheesh. massive massive flop. Not great. And and Basan's still out there talking about sequels. He's talking about the third one, which like, bro, it's not not happening, oh my man. Gosh. Not happening. Um so not great. Not great. Not what you want. Um and I guess we'll see if if it if it gets better overseas, but goodness. It definitely won't be in theaters here by next week. So it's not uh it's not great. It's not great. So let's do grades and uh, let's get done with this. What's uh what's your grade, man?
2: Uh, I'm going to give it a D. Um, if I take the Louis Lettier effect into account, <laughs> it's an F. But uh, it's just—you're like, you're right. This isn't this isn't you know an F or this isn't Ken's F minus minus minus. Um, it's kind of like The Dark Tower, where you know it's an hour in. I've gathered everything I can possibly get from this movie, uh, and and it really doesn't live up to anything. But it, like I said, it's not the worst thing mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Um, it might be the worst thing I've seen this year. I don't know. I have to go back and see what I saw, but um, it's just, this is not good. It's not a passing grade, but it's not the worst thing ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I think I'm right with you. I'll I'll go with D. I don't, I don't, once I get past C minus, just a little inside baseball, I have, it's D and F. I don't do D plus or, or F minus or any of that stuff. Um, So it's as great as this year has been, especially the summer. We, we have seen some, some total stinkers, um, but this is not – to me, again, this is kind of on par with like Power Rangers. It's not anything near the atrocity that is like Transformers 5 or The Circle or or even like King Arthur. King Arthur is probably worse than this. Oh, series. the King Arthur's – oh, King Arthur was definitely worse <laughs> yeah. than this. I mean, but I, 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 hold on. Uh, yes, but, yes. but one. let me ask you this. Like which of those two movies, Valyrian or King Arthur, which of those two movies had a giant snake that played a major role <laughs> in the film? Which one? Which one was it? That was King Arthur. Okay, King Arthur's better. Uh, Just by my my bell curve that I have. uh, Just snakes make everything, but giant snakes for no reason in a plot uh, having a major impact on the movie (laughs) from from literally from out of nowhere. See, if uh, if I had walked part. out of yeah. that movie, I would not have known know. the giant snake you know. makes an appearance. Yeah, spoiler alert, the giant the giant snake is actually in Valyrian too. So he's uh <laughs> he's having a big he's having a big summer. Having it's big actually just summer. his tapeworm that's how it sees <laughs> fit. Oh goodness. Okay. Well this has been fun, dude. Thanks for uh thanks for spending money and time to take in Valyrian and, and join us here. Um if we are looking our dear listeners, if they're looking for you on the internet. Where can they find you? Where can they find you on social media? And uh, where can they find your podcast? All right. You can find me
2: uh, at Dread Pirate Rada. That's for you Princess Bride fans out there. (laughs) Um, If you want to follow my Twitter, it's mostly comic book art. And me complaining about reading and writing, mm-hmm. um, and you can find my show at Geek One Hundred One Podcasts, both on Twitter uh, and Facebook, and, and iTunes as well. If you're a podcast listener listening to this,
1: uh, you should be able to find it. Yeah, awesome, and you and you should. If you're listening to this show, um, I, I've recommended Geek One Hundred One plenty of times. I don't I don't listen to. We get questions all the time. People ask us all the time uh, about like what other podcasts we listen to and stuff. And I I always kind of have to just say like I don't really listen to other movie podcasts because I I, I don't want my, my own opinion of a movie to be tainted before I review it and then after I've reviewed it I don't really care necessarily to listen to somebody else's opinion about it at the, at the time you know um, I, I'm not I don't mean that to be like douchey or anything it's just you know once I'm once I've reviewed King Arthur I don't really need anybody else's take on it I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of done Until we do a There's retrospective There's only one take uh, In five years <laughs> This is giant snake Yeah and So I don't listen to a lot of other Straight movie podcasts But uh, But Geek One is one that I really enjoy and, and it has enough I appreciate that you guys have enough um, Comic book Side of things To where It's not just a straight Film review podcast, like there's a little more uh, nuance to it, and and uh, and I appreciate that. So definitely, if you're a listener of this show, you should check that out. Um, we're gonna get out of here. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm the the third worst host or third best host, <laughs> perhaps. I'm the third best host on the on Mad About Movies, so uh, I, I apologize for that. But thanks for listening anyway. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're talking Detroit. And uh, there may or may not be a, uh, a special bonus episode headed to your, your way as well. So, uh, without further ado, I get to say it this time. I never get to say it. Until next time, we will see you at the Cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs.
2: And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs.